On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Setting the Captives Free will encourage you to use the tools of your own personal freedom to help others experience their own personal victory to be all God has called them to be. Welcome to Setting the Captives Free. This is session four. Uh, let me just remind you, we're, we're talking about Luke 4, 18 and 19. Uh, we've said from the very beginning of this uh, teaching is that basically that's Jesus's ministry. It says the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to preach the gospel to the poor, to send him to heal the brokenhearted and so forth. All of this is Jesus's ministry. This is what he quotes out of the prophecy Isaiah. He then immediately goes out and starts doing this. And so our position here is that not only was that his ministry, but that's also our ministry. Every disciple, he commissioned to go out and do the same thing, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, and do all that that various ministry. So when we've been talking about this, we need the power of the Spirit in our lives, and that was one of our previous sessions, and just remind everybody that the real ministry is love here. But I want to take this particular session and talk about preaching the gospel. What does that really mean? Mark 1, 14, and I'm just actually going to add a verse to it. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15 says, and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So what is the gospel? What are we talking about here? We're talking about the word gospel actually means good news. It's a proclamation or a declaration of good news. Um, the, the gospel of the kingdom of God is not just good news, it's great news. It is phenomenal news. The bottom line is, is that what Jesus did for us is that he came and lived for us, died for us, it was raised from the grave for us. He paid the penalty for our sin so that we could have a relationship with Father. So the reality is it's phenomenal news. It is great, great news. And it's not just about salvation only, about getting to go to heaven, because he's talking about the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is that the king has come, Jesus, and he has brought his dominion with him to earth. And so really our assignment is to represent him. Uh, he showed us how to live, what to do, and he showed us what it looks like living on earth. So the truth of the matter is it begins, everything begins with what we call salvation, people coming to know Jesus. And most people, literally, you could obviously receive the Lord without having somebody around, but most people hear the gospel from someone, a friend, a family member, somebody's been praying for them. And so that's what we get to do. We get to participate in, in, in his ministry. Um, Romans 10, 14 says, how they shall call upon him if they've not believed, how shall they believe in him who they've not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, not everybody's called to be a preacher, but in this terminology, what we're talking about is to proclaim or to declare the reality of what Jesus has done for us. That is preaching the gospel. And again, we're not talking about being a pastor in a pulpit. We are all preachers. We are all to declare the gospel. Now, here's, here's the key thing here we've got to understand. What Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, Jesus said to, to him, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If we believe that scripture, Jesus is the only way to life. And so we've got to be focused on that. 
The truth is that God is always after our heart. This is uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, for they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This pretty well captures the essence of what we're called to do. Jesus himself was moved with compassion. He didn't just feel sorry for people. He was moved with with a heartfelt compassion. He saw us in the condition we were in. We were lost. And he came to save and seek and save the lost. But what is, I love what he finishes here. He says, guys, listen, the harvest is plentiful. So even now, when you're looking at your own family members and loved ones and people you work with and people that are out here in the world, you know, we're going, oh my gosh, these people, they need to know Jesus. What Jesus is saying here, he said, look, the problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with the laborers. So we're supposed to be laborers. We're supposed to engage, and we're supposed to be preachers of the gospel. Now, I want to be clear. We need to be clear. We need to know what the gospel really is. Uh, the bottom line is, is that it's a, it is a declaration. It is not something you do. It's something that you share. Uh, when preaching it, actually, we said you preach even without words. We're, we're a living demonstration of the good news of Christ in us. But we need to recognize a couple of things here. Jesus was the son of David. Now, why that's important, it's important for Jews, because they, they, was, they were looking for a Messiah. But for Gentiles, Jesus is the son of God. He lived on earth in human form, which means that God literally took on human flesh. He died on the cross for forgiveness of sin. Huge, because the whole issue is, is that the problem we have is sin. Sin separates us from God. So what Jesus did, he came and dealt with the sin problem so we could be restored to a relationship with Father. He was buried. He did, it, wasn't just, it wasn't some token deal. Uh, no, he literally died. He died our death. And God raised him from the dead to live forevermore. He was made Lord in Christ. He ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father even at this time. He has given us his spirit to live in us, to empower us, to guide us, and to direct us, his very presence. And he will come again to seek to, to, for those that are in Christ. So the, the fullness of the gospel, it's not like you've got to know all those details, but we just need to be aware of what's going on here. The real issue is, is that Jesus came to restore us, fallen man, to Father. And that is phenomenal news. There's, we could not bridge the gap. We could not make our, we couldn't get ourselves in a position to please God. So God literally came to deal with it as a human, to die, take our sin, sickness, and die for us so we could be restored to Father. Phenomenal news. So the bottom line is, Jesus paid with his life so we could have life. He paid in full so we could be completely restored. And again, it's not by anything that we do. It says, by grace you've been saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. So again, it's a free gift. So we get to proclaim that. We get to live that. We get to share that with people around us. So we need to learn how to really be sure we're communicating clearly because what we don't want to do is be, we don't want to be complicated. So here are a couple of points that we need to remember. 
when we're talking about preaching the gospel, we're talking about a person. That's Jesus Christ. We're not talking about works. We're talking about life. We're not talking about you need to do something. Uh, well, there's some things that we probably do need to do, but what he is offering to us is the free gift of eternal life. He is not offering that based on something that we did. He's offering it based on something that he did. And he is offering life, not religion. He's not offering to us to join a church. He's not asking us to go do something for him. He's asking us to believe that Jesus is who he says that he is. He's done what he said that he did. And the last thing is, it's about a relationship. It's not about form. It's not about religion. It's not about, let's go do something. No, it's about a relationship. And so it needs to be clear that, we are, that we're clear. We're clear about what's, what it really means, the gospel in our lives. The clearer that it is in our lives, the clearer that we can communicate that to someone. Nearly everybody, when you start talking about Jesus, they will want to go talk about religion. Um, at the very last part of this teaching, I'm going to talk about the woman at the well. And when Jesus begins to drop that message down to her, she immediately goes to, oh, well, we worship on this mountain. You Jews worship on that mountain. Nearly everybody will turn it into a religion or will turn it into a religious talk. Well, I'm of this, of this brand of religion, or I believe this, or these people believe that. Or the, Wait a minute. It's not about any of that. It's about Jesus. It's about life. It's about having a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ faith in him and what he's done by the power of the Spirit. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, probably the best way to share this is to understand some basic things. Now, I don't have one in front of me, but I grew up listening to and hearing about the four spiritual laws. The Campus Crusade had ministry that they published the four spiritual laws. That's a great little tool to use uh, for you to have. You need to have that so you can clearly articulate. Another one is what we call the Roman road. Now, I grew up in in a Baptist church, and, and my Sunday school teacher gave me a, a little New Testament, and I thought it was, and I, I still have it. And the very, open it up, and it says, you know, I think the very first one is John 3, 16. God's love of the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. And then it says right below, it, it, once you go to John 3, 16, then she wrote in there Romans 3, 23. And it said, everyone has sinned and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so it, we very clearly articulates the fact that the problem is sin. Then Romans 6.23 said the wager of sin is death. And so every time you'd finish your little verse, you go to the next passage. Uh, Romans 10.9 and 10 said, if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And Romans 10.13 says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's called the Roman road. It's just a very simple tool. But we need to be familiar with these things. This, the issue is not us learning how to be perfect. It's just knowing how to go to those particular areas to help somebody do the same thing. And you can do that. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel, it's the power of God. So living the gospel Proclaiming the gospel, if we understand it properly, it's powerful. 
And, and it's easy to do that. Now, what we need to remember is 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. It says, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. You are God's building. Now, why that's important is because you need to recognize you got to take the pressure off you and your performance. It's not about you. It's about loving Jesus and loving people and caring for them and hoping that they would come into the same love relationship that you are experiencing with Jesus himself. So you've got to remember it's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. You don't have to do that. It says that he would convict us of sin. Uh, it, this is, that's in John chapter 16. He's also the one who guides us into truth. And so the truth makes you free. Our job is simply to plant and to water. There's no pressure. I don't have to produce something. I don't have to get somebody to do something. The, the pressure is not on me to perform. The pressure on me is just to love and to share, just to share truth. Once I've shared truth, the Holy Spirit and God takes over to make that truth real in someone's life. It's not based on me to make that real. See, the truth is, is we've got to become, we're, we're not results-oriented. It's not they have to pray a prayer. They have to join the church. They have to do something. No, 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 no. We're just trying, we're going to plant the seed. We want to tell them about Jesus. We want to tell them about the good news. The gospel is great news. You can be joined you, to Jesus Christ, you can have life and have it more abundant. That's what it's all. It's really, it's about loving people and caring for people. Now, uh, if you have a manual, and I, I realize that some of you may not have, but we've got a couple of passages here that are, you can read these in Acts when Paul shares his own testimony. And the reason I want to go there is because what God is wanting us to do is to understand that while we need to be clear but we need to understand that, wow, we get the opportunity to share. Now, first I want to go to Revelations 12, 11. And this, we just need to be clear about this. The best way to plant and water is to share a testimony. That's what Paul did, so those examples. Revelations 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Very interesting. See, we don't sometimes understand how powerful our testimony, our story really is. Um, Revelations 19.10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, that's pretty amazing. So what he's saying here, what, the, what Scripture is saying is that when we share our story, when we share what Jesus has done for me, uh, it's powerful. It carries a power with it because really we overcome by the word of their testimony. Obviously, if you go back to Revelations 12 there, the blood of the lamb is refers to what Jesus did. He, he did everything for us. It was through his blood. The word of our testimony is to share what Jesus has done for us and what the word has done and what the power of that is and how has it changed my life? What's it done to me, for me, and then, of course, loving not their lives into death, willing to, to suffer because the truth of Jesus Christ and realizing that, wow, there's nothing more important than really a relationship with Jesus Christ. So your story, 
is important. You know, I remember years ago growing up in church, and I'd hear these testimonies of people that were like, oh my gosh, they were into drugs, they were into this, into that, and they were and they were just delivered out of some kind of trauma. And I'm just going, oh my gosh, what a what a phenomenal testimony. Thinking, I don't have a testimony like that. Um, actually, I thank God that I don't have a testimony like that. But my testimony is just as powerful as any other testimony because it is my story of my encounter with Jesus Christ and how it became real in my life. And so, therefore, it, it can't be taken from me. You know, you may, you may want to get into debate about Scripture. You may have people that want to discuss and they don't like this and that. But listen, my story is my story. <clears throat> what happened to me is what happened to me. You know, whether people believe it or not, you know, that's why it's so powerful. Your testimony is so, so powerful. So what I really want to do, I want to talk about really how do you deliver your personal testimony. And so, number one, I just want you to think about writing down your testimony. Some of you may have done that, but a lot of times we haven't. And so writing things down is so important because it helps you to not only think back, process through, and then articulate it in written form so that you can really, oh yeah, that's yeah, this is what this is what Jesus did for me. This is what happened to me. Listen, every little detail is important because you never know who you're talking to and where a person is. So number one, you need to be sure you share the condition before you were saved. Now, let me just make a point there. Don't spend a whole lot of time talking about your prior condition. Just the main point is, is that you were lost and you didn't know Jesus. Didn't matter what all you went through, what all happened, it could be relevant to the story, but the point is, don't spend a whole lot of time there. So how did you come to know Jesus? What happened? Uh, and again, after we've come to know the Lord and we start writing this down, it's amazing how things will come to you uh, people praying for you, people sharing with you, different people's influence in your life. And then the third thing is the results of your salvation. So, wow, this is what's happened to me. Now, I want to encourage you to practice sharing your testimony. Because what happens is, is that you, you can share your testimony in a multitude of ways. And I want to talk about that. There's all kinds of ways you share it. I remember uh, I can share my testimony in just a couple of it's little sentences. You know, I encountered Jesus Christ, changed my life, and whatever. Uh, and see what happens. Uh, you see what somebody wants to respond. I can share my testimony in a presentation standing before people where I can elaborate on all the different details, and I can turn it into a mini-sermon. But the point is, is that regardless of where we are, we need to learn how to communicate very clearly what did Jesus do for you and for me? We need to be, when we're talking about uh, sharing our testimony, preaching the gospel, which we get to do, uh, you need to be sensitive to those people that you're around. For example, you never know who you're talking to and what you may say. This is our, our language needs to be seasoned uh, with the gospel. For example, I could be sharing with somebody, and I know right off, they don't know Jesus. 
they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, then I would frame my testimony around having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I've also talked to people that immediately start becoming religious. Well, I was raised this, and I went to this church, and I do this and do that. Okay, well, I'm going to change my testimony a little bit, and I'm going to focus on the fact of it, that it's not about a religion or a church. It's about a relationship with a living Christ. Because a lot of people have been churched. A lot of people have been to church. A lot of people grew up in church. They've rejected church. But I'm going to tell you something. They've not rejected Jesus. So it's about Jesus. It's not about church. It's not about a belief system. It's about a person. But I also know that I've talked to believers that have never really received the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. So then I adjust my conversation because what happened to me, I was born again, but I'd never received the power of the Spirit. So that's part of my testimony that changed my life and boosted me into another dimension of relationship with God. So I can share that deal. I also... I had some spiritual issues in my life. We'll talk about it in another session here. But I had some issues that I really got set free in. So when I determined I'm talking to somebody who's got some problems, I can talk to them about freedom. So multitude of ways. So but my point of sharing all this is that God is wanting us to become familiar with our own personal relationship with God, how he worked in our lives, and, and get it down to a point to where we're able to share it regardless of whoever we see. Um, had a friend years ago that he had, uh, right out of college, he had worked with Campus Crusade Ministries, and he was the most gifted person I've ever been around in sharing the gospel. He could take nearly any conversation with it, any out in work, marketplace, where he's working, anywhere, and, and within just a matter of a minute or two, he would be he would turn it to talking about Jesus. I mean, it's an amazing gift. We're not all gifted like that, but listen, we can all preach the gospel to the poor. Another thing we need to do is learn how to pray for people. It's become a lighthouse of prayer. We need to pray for the people that are around us. We need to pray for those realizing that God has put us around people I don't have to save the world. All I have to be is light and salt to those people that I'm around. So I just need to begin to recognize that, oh, wow, God, you put me in the midst of some people. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's where you live. Maybe it's where you you do some kind of uh, recreational activity. Don't know. But whatever it is, begin to recognize that God has sovereignly placed you there. However long you're there, realize that I need to start praying for these people. I need to pray that God would open their heart to receive. We need to be salt and light. The truth is, is that it says, let your light so shine that men would see your good works and they would glorify Father in heaven. Literally, our lifestyle, our works, when you're at work and you don't get into the, the lewd language and the bad language, you don't, you don't get frustrated and get all kinds of bent out of shape over everything that doesn't work right. When you live a life that is so changed by Jesus Christ, people begin to recognize, oh, there's something different about you. And that's what he's saying here. It's not that I have to go be some spiritual religious person. No, I just live differently. I act differently. I have peace. I have joy. It's not that everything's going right in my life. I just begin to recognize I live in relationship 
Therefore, people around me that don't live in a relationship are going to see there's something different. And so we just look for opportunities to share the gospel. And so we got to trust the Holy Spirit, which we talked about in a previous session, realizing it's the Spirit that anointed Jesus. And it's the Spirit who anoints us. So he helps us to do the work he wants us to do. I finished there with uh, Matthew 9 and just the last part of that. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you that we get the opportunity to preach the good news to the world around us. You said the harvest is plentiful. There's not a problem with the harvest. The problem is laborers. So Lord, I pray that everyone that hears this and all of us would be laborers, that we would voluntarily join you in your quest to save mankind. Lord, you'd help us to preach the gospel. You'd help us to declare the good news. So I pray, Lord, for us, you'd help us to be, that we'd be real clear on what the gospel means to me and to each one of us, and that we'd be able to write our testimony and to get it down to a, a way that we can share it in multitude of ways so that we can be who you've called us to be so we can preach the gospel. And then, Lord, lastly, I pray you give us a heart of compassion that we would truly love one another as you've loved us. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we get to participate in your ministry. So we love you. We bless you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.